Principal Questions on Covington, Principal Still Work in 2019, Venezuela, and Honoring a Great Man. Man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show exclusive to the Blaze, where you come for the accent, but you stay for the principles. And that's what we're going to discuss today. We're going to discuss a lot of principles. Because I want to talk to you about the the story that's been breaking all over your country, all over the news, all over social media, about these young boys at the National Mall, about the black Hebrew Israelites. And I don't want to talk to you about the the facts, because this has been highly talked about. You know, my boss, Glenn Beck, has done a great job breaking down the facts I don't want to share my opinion with you today. I want to share some principles with you. And I want to highlight why this story is absolutely critical to understanding why I speak about principles each and every week. So let's go through the principles. The three groups involved, the school kids, the Native Americans having their protest, and the black Hebrew Israelites who were there protesting condemning, insulting, agitating. Let's go through it principle by principle. First off, do they have a right to be there? Do they have a right to be on the National Mall to protest whatever they're protesting, to speak about whatever they want to speak about? Yes, they have that right. Why do I say they have that right? Because it all boils down back to what we spoke about last week. All men are created equal. You do not have a right to tell someone else how to live. Maybe you feel this way, but I don't. I don't have a right to look at people and say, you know what? Those black Hebrew Israelites, they're only protesting. They're only agitators. They don't have a right to speak. They don't get to sit at the table. They don't get to stand on the mall. You know, tell them to shut up. I don't have that in me. Maybe you do. I don't. Which links to the second one, free speech. Do they have a right to say what they're saying? Absolutely. I know a lot of people have some iffy feelings about this. They're like, well, John, the the black Hebrew Israelites, they were protesting. Look at the stuff they were saying. Look at all the stuff they were saying about Native Americans. Let's look at the stuff they've said in the past about Chinese people. Are you really going to stand with them and say they have a right to speak? I'm not standing with them. I just don't have it in me to say, you can't talk about that. You can't say that. You don't have a right. And I have a right to tell you to sit down and shut up. I don't have that in me. Maybe you do. But if you do have those thoughts, I ask you, by what right do you have them? By what authority do you have a right to say, even the most egregious speech, do you have the right to say, sit down and shut up? Because I don't. I don't have it in me. So they have a right to assembly and they have a right to free speech. Rights that are protected under your constitution in the First Amendment. Rights that your founders fought and some died for. Which leads me on to the next principle. I feel so sorry for these kids. These kids have been absolutely pounded, destroyed. But I do think that it's time to have one conversation about where they acted or where they could have acted differently. And that is one small thing. When you see something going down and you have the self-awareness and you've been around situations 
I know some people don't like when I say this, but sometimes it's best to leave and move on. I know people say, well, John, you know what? You, if you, you always let people walk all over you, and if you always walk and leave on, move on, they win. Maybe that's true. But as around us when there's a situation where there are people agitating, it's best not to be around. Or if you, if you think it's going to get really bad, maybe call law enforcement. Because that is a, a discernible judgment that you've got to make. But also, and I, this is going to catch me a lot of heat because people say, well, John, women can defend themselves. When you're in a group, if you're just there by yourself and you're just oneself and you have to look after yourself and if something happens, then that's one thing. But if you're in a group of other people, and especially if that other group has females in it, you got to understand if you hang around and something goes down, you're not only responsible for yourself, you're also responsible for other people in your group. And some people in your group mightn't be able to defend themselves. So sometimes it is best to move on. Or maybe just go to another place. I said this to someone privately. went, but John, they, they might have agreed to meet there. I'm like, yeah, 20 years ago, maybe that's an answer. In 2019 technology, you just put out on social media, you, you put it out in a text. Hey, we're, we're not meeting there anymore. We're meeting down the road to be safe. That is the only thing I would say about these kids in a negative way. And that's not even negative. That's just saying, going forward, maybe that's a principle you might want to look into. Which leads me on to the media, which leads me on to society, which leads me on to everyone on social media. We have to understand something about ourselves. We have to be analytical. We have to always evaluate ourselves. And we have to understand that us as human beings... We base a lot or some of our decisions based on emotion. Now, you can argue, well, some people base more on emotion, some people base more on logic and fact, but there's always a mix there. And one of those emotions that we are all guilty of, myself included, is prejudice, to prejudge something. I know I'm guilty of it, and it's not through any fault of your own. It's just emotion. I'll give you a story. There's a lady who lives on our road. She's an elderly lady. She lives alone. There is not much wrong with this lady at all. Bar she's lonely and she wants attention. And when she wants that attention, she'll say things like, I'm not feeling well. I had a fall. She, you know, she'll play it up. It's got to the situation where I've actually pulled people aside going, someone needs to have a chat with her because I can tell you what's going to happen because I know this because I used to study and there used to be a reason we used to pass on stories. The story of the boy who cried wolf. Because my big fear for her is, because every time she causes this fuss, everyone rushes to her. And it's okay. What's going to happen to this lady is, she's going to cry wolf, she's going to cry wolf, she's going to cry wolf. And all of a sudden, one day, something bad will actually happen to this lady. And she will go, I need help. And everyone will be like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to you later on, I'm busy. Yeah, yeah, I'll come back to you, I, I just have other stuff to do. And everyone will be going, it's just the usual, it's this lady, been this lady. And what will happen? It will actually be serious. That person, she will need attention. There's a reason we used to share these stories. Hey, the boy who cried wolf. We all do it. We prejudge situations. When something happens, I go, ah, look, you know, maybe it's not that bad. We all do it. However, what makes a human being a smart human being is we all go, okay, that might be my first reaction. But what's the complaint? Maybe we should look into it. Maybe let's get more facts. What happened with this situation on the National Mall is everyone just went to their corners. Everyone went to their sides. Everyone went to their teams. Because what people saw and what people, I believe, and this is my opinion, but it's based on facts. People saw a person wearing a MAGA hat and went, they're Trump, they're evil, they're on the opposite side. Get them. I don't care about who they are. Just get them. Let's destroy them. We used their, they used their emotions. The media played into it. Social media played into it. Because when I watched it, I didn't comment on this story all week. But I watched it and everyone was just divided into their sides. On this situation, it was the left going, oh, there's them kids. You see, that's, that's Trump kids. They're kids in the era of Trump. They're all just so disrespectful. They're all just so rude. 
And then you had people on the right going, well, it's, not everyone's not like that. You can't have that. They're, they're innocent. And you had everyone playing their sides. Question for you. If you see a scenario break down and you have to comment on it, which would you rather? Would you rather be first or would you rather be right? Because today in the media, in the newsrooms, with the creation of social media, where everyone has a chance to share their opinion and be publishers, everyone wants to be first. And the truth be damned. Facts be damned. People's lives be damned. I want to be first. It's this insatiable desire for a viral story. I know what I speak of. I've been around people who wanted them. Because when a viral story, everyone has to link back to my story or my comments or my report or my video or my tweets. And then I get that bit of fame. I get my 15 minutes of fame because everyone has to come back to me because I was first. Doesn't matter whether it was right. I was first. You see this in the media and you see this on social media. Everyone rushes to judgment. Everyone rushes to, hey, guess what? I was first. No one wants to look at the facts. No one's prepared to say, you know what? I'm just going to sit back and just see where to... Let's actually look into this. Let's look into the groups involved. And let's actually look for more video. Or do we just judge on a 30-second, 60-second, 90-second video that may have been edited? We have this right now. Because deep down, why we all want to be first, all we want to do is win. If we see an opportunity to slam the other side, so many today take us. Because I love people going on, well, this is, you know, uh, this is, I'd be always for this. Let me ask you a question. If one of the groups involved, if those kids happen to be Antifa, would you be saying the exact same thing today that you're saying today? If that, if that group was Antifa and they acted the same way, they did everything to a T that those kids do, would you still say the same thing? Because I know for a fact there are many people on social media who the chips would turn. Well, it's Antifa, John. They're, they're, you know, they're extremists. They're all racist. They're all radical extremists. Do you want to be about sides and winning and being first? Or do you want to be about principles? Because right now, let me tell you, warning, you are not on the course for a true America. You are on the path, scarily on the path towards the French Revolution. You are not on the path to e pluribus unum. You are on the path to brotherhood, to fraternity, to sides. And eventually, if you continue on this path, I don't know when this will be. It may be next week, it may be next month, or maybe next year, it may be next decade. If you continue on this path of fraternity and brotherhood, it will end with the guillotine or whatever it comes in 2019. It may be public hangings. That is the path you are on. Which leads me to the media. Look, I don't get involved in the whole fake news. I don't get involved in the enemy, they're the enemy of the people. But if you wanted to have someone said, you know what, I want to make a case, John, to you that they are the enemy of the people. What happened last week that made the media active, that's exhibit one for me. If I had to make that case, or I had to make it to someone else, or someone had to make it for me, that's exhibit A. To anyone in the media, shame on you. You know, I always loved, I always grew up and I was around this, in this media, I, I've been speaking to journalists and they always go, well, we're journalists, I, I, I write for this paper, I'm on this blog and I have such esteem, you know, I'm automatic and I have that blue check mark beside my name, I'm important. Part of the problem with society today is we deem so much on power, on, 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 on authority, on position in society. I'm better than you. I have a blue check mark. We don't actually focus on what that actually means. And the, what I mean is the responsibility that brings with you. If you work for a senior paper or a paper with some credibility, and I'd ask what, what paper has credibility in 2019, but you have not extra power, not extra, hey, I'm better than you. You have extra responsibility. To talk about the truth. 
You can share your opinion pages and heck, you can even, you know, hide behind that guy's, well, you know, we're taught we're a newspaper, but we share our opinions in our op-eds and hide and share your political agenda. Okay, go for it. But when you're talking about someone's life, which you are talking about right now, you have a responsibility to make sure you are not sharing falsehoods. Media, shame on you. Nathan Phillips. I'm not going to say too much about this guy. I don't want to talk about I want to talk about principles. But there is one problem we have in society today. Actually, we have a lot of problems. But one thing we have is we have a lack of honor. You know, every time I look at the society, you know, people ask me all the time, John, why do you so- still love America so much? Why do you still idolize America so much? Why do you spend your time talking about it with no money? Why would you spend years working for the place and get not one penny? Because I love what I do. Now, today is hard because I'm so angry. But the reason I love your nation so much is because of your founders. Because they were right about so much. They were right because they understood society. And the more I look at society today, the more I go, you know what the world needs? The world needs your founders again. Not about winning, about doing the right thing. But they also understood that why society will work is because honor is sacred. It's how they signed the Declaration of Independence. What you see today is people on all sides acting without honor. Nathan Phillips... Shame on you, sir. Shame on you for so many reasons. Agitating, just wanting your pound of flesh, just wanting your 15 minutes of fame, regardless of whose life you stomped on, regardless of whose life you destroy. You just were so selfish, you wanted it. But even more so, as someone who does this show and would salute your troops every week, whether it's popular or unpopular, You do not steal someone's valor. Men and women have fought and died for your country. Men and women fought and died so you had a right to protest on the National Mall. And for you to turn around and to be talking about, well, I'm a Vietnam vet. Shame on you. Shame on you. Which then leads me to the next question. So this guy feared for his life. He was intimidated. He saw the clan. And his answer? Well, you know what I'm going to do for kicks and giggles? I'm going to go disturb a mass. Let's say everything he said was true. Let's say everything he said, the way everything went down, was 100% factually accurate. And these kids, you know what? They were a bunch of no-good hooligans. Let's just say that for argument's sake. This idea of disturbing a mass, what does that do exactly? This idea, we have this in culture so much where we want our pound of flesh. I've been wronged. I need someone else to get them. Someone innocent. If you have an issue with these kids and you're right, let's say he's right, go take it up with the kids. Go take it up with their parents. But this idea of like protesting a mass, really? But sadly... Because of the world we live in and we're so outraged, we're so on our teams and on our brotherhood, people joined them. And those poor people who were celebrating mass got interrupted and made a situation even worse. Which leads me, ironically, to the church in Kentucky of this school that's connected to this school. You know... I got to man. I, I I wish I could say what I want to say, but that isn't going to add to it. Shame on you as well. Shame on you. You know, you talk about being a Christian school and a Christian church. Where was your faith? Even let's say these kids are guilty. Where was your faith to go? Let's in, let's investigate. I want more information. Don't throw your kids under the bus. Until you have all the facts. But no, they didn't do that. They just saw an opportunity. Or maybe, maybe, and I would say maybe lean personally more towards this, that they were cowards. 
that they saw a situation and they didn't want any part of that fight. Because that fight was too hard. Because, John, that's a fight we just can't win. Well, that's even more so why you should fight it. Have you read anything in the Bible? Where is the passage that says, well, if it's a fight we can't win, as Christians, we just lay our sword down and give up. And it's better for us to throw someone else under the bus and survive and live to fight another day. Where exactly is that in the Bible? You know, we have a problem as Christians. Let me just speak to Christians right now. We have a problem in our world where Christianity has made our world so much better. Freedom has made our world so much better. But all right now, we have so much lack of leadership, lack of men, lack of women, lack of honor, lack of men and women just willing to stand for what is morally right and morally true, regardless of the personal consequences. Which then brings me on to what happened on Tuesday. So this is all breaking down. And the school had to be shut. Now again, let's just assume for a second, let's talk about a principle. Let's assume for one second, everything was happened that the media portrayed was 100% factually right. These kids are the, the worst. They're the deplorable of the deplorables. Do you really threaten the school? Are you so stupid? Are you so naive? Are you so immature that your idea is, you know what, I'm going to target that school? Let's say there's, what, 10, 20 kids that are really bad at that school. You're going to disrupt everyone. You're going to disrupt their parents' lives. Because what happens to the kids at school? You're going to go put other people through that. You've been wronged, and now you're going to go wrong someone else. Is that really where we are? Is that morally right? Which then breeds me to the last point. And we we go back to the media. I saw some reaction because apparently Savannah Guntry, I don't get to watch her, nor would I watch her, nor do I care. Yeah, that's me prejudging. I don't watch mainstream media. But apparently they got an interview. And I saw some of the reaction. Some of the reaction was unbelievably horrific. What, Hitler wasn't? What's next, hit, digging up Hitler? Can we stop with the Hitler references? As someone who loves World War II and has, you know, brought up Hitler, you know, once or twice in on this show and in writings, you know, it, it's, it's, I love World War II. I think there's a lot of learn, lessons we can learn from Hitler of, hey, don't do this. But can we stop with, that? If, if you disagree with someone, everyone's Hitler. And why we're stopping things? Can we actually grow up and understand, you know what? Walls are inhabited objects. They don't, they're not, they can't be immoral or moral. Can we stop with hats intimidating you? I saw this outrage all week. Oh, well, the, the new, the MAGA hat is like the KKK hood. Really? I ask this not as a white person who has white privilege, and I certainly don't ask this as a male. I actually ask this for my brothers and sisters who, I dare say, how can I say this, I'm white and they're black, but my brothers and sisters who are descendants of slaves, my brothers and sisters in Christ, who actually have been through slavery, their families have been through slavery. You know what, let's not demean what they went through. Have you read about Booker T. Washington? Because I ask you, read his book, and then look at a MAGA hat and then go, yeah, that's, let's equate those two. Where you had... People sleeping on grounds, where you had people been raped, where you had people saying you don't exist as a person, you're a second-class citizen. Are you telling me you have 1%? Actually, let me go a bit further. Let me be provocative here for a second. Are you seriously telling me that you can tell me you have one 1,024th of the provocation or the fear that they had? Seriously? There is no equation. There is no equation to a MAGA hat to the KKK hood. They are extremely different. They are in whole different ballparks, area codes, countries. Heck, they're in different universes. And that leads me to the last question. And a question, sadly, I already know the answer to. Because right now, we have no honor. Where is the apology? Where is the apology to these kids? I love this guy, Nathan Phillips, running around. I've got forgiveness in my heart. Sir, I couldn't care less whether you've got forgiveness in your heart. Because right where I stand, the way I see the facts, 
It's not you who needs to forgive. It's you who needs to humble himself before these kids and beg for forgiveness. And if you have any faith in any being, in any superior power, you need to humble yourself before them and beg for their forgiveness. Well, if you're still listening to me after that opening monologue, I I apologize. I, I've really struggled this week. I've had a lot of stuff going on in my own life. And I've watched your country, and I'm watching your country from afar get addicted to outrage, if I may quote my boss, boss's book. I'm looking at everyone talking about stuff that I honestly consider baloney. Just It's just clickbait. It's all just to get you all riled up and get you onto your sides. Prime example this week is the whole State of the Union address. Oh my God, Nancy Pelosi won't let him have it. And the, the outrage of her. Really? I, I, I belong to a group. I used to belong to a group called Conservatives who we used to all think, you know, the State of the Union was boring, pomp and circumstance. You know, let's go back to the George Washington standard where, y'all, where the president wrote it in. And then you could read it. You know, no media, no none of that. Now everyone's outraged by it. Because it's Nancy Pelosi, it's the Democrats, it's Donald Trump. I look at that story, everyone's talking about it, don't care. I look at a story of these kids, and I just want to cry. I am so, so angry. It's incredible. But why did I present what I presented the way I did? Because I, I want to have a conversation with you. I hope if you're a long-term listener, or even a short-term listener, that you know how much I love your nation. I love your nation. I love the idea. I defend it. I promote it as much as I can. And a regular thing I get when I talk about principles is, yeah, they sound great, and I love America's history just like you, John, but it won't work in 2019. John, these principles that you spoke about and this idea and the way the founders acted and with honor, I get it, but it's 2019. With this media, you can't act this way. The the Democrats, you won't win. You'll lose. I'm in Europe. I'm in Ireland. And right now, in case you are following some of the news, there's a new sensation going across Europe. It started in France, I believe, and it's going around around Europe. It's in England. It's in Ireland. It's called the Yellow Vest Protest. And what it is, is everyone's unhappy and everyone wants to tear stuff down and everyone's ha- it's right wing. They're ha- unhappy with government. They're unhappy with invasions of uh, illegal immigrants. They're unhappy with the invasion of Muslims. They're unhappy with everything. It's a right wing led group. It's European right. Not right in America where they're pro freedom. They are not. They are just as socialist and big government as everyone else. They love free healthcare. They love free env- education. You know one of the reasons I love your nation? Because of your founders. Because of who your founders were. If you read the history of today, what's happening with those yellow vest protesters, and you look around the world today or past, what you will see is there's always revolution in the air. There's always some type of uprising. But you know who does it? It's always the poorest in the society. You know the people, oh well, the man is holding me down. You know, I can't get ahead because the bourgeoisie, you know, you know, the, the, the income inequality today, you know, they have all the power, all the money, and I have nothing, and it's all their fault for my life. It's always those with nothing to lose and everything to gain. Your founders were such great men. They had everything to gain. They had also everything to lose. They were, they could have paid the extra tax. They could have went along with the king. They could have got in bed with the king and went, listen, look, I'm George Washington. I'm a businessman. I have all this land and the state. Look, if you make things cushy for me, listen, this is what I'll do. I'll give you a few kickbacks. You know, I'll help you out. I'll, I'll, I'll spy on the little uprisings. You know, we can work together. We can come to some type of deal. We can compromise, right? Your founders didn't. Your founders said, you know what? Yeah, we have everything to gain. The people who signed the Declaration of Independence, they weren't poor. They had everything that they wanted. George Washington, you know how much I love him. He had every reason 
to not be the leader of the Continental Army. He did it anyway. And he was humble. To those who think, you know what, we're in a different era, we're in a different time, that today, all of a sudden, this enemy is so much more emboldened, embrazened, that it will, is more desperate, that your principles can't work, I say to you, you're wrong. I'm sorry, I don't say that often. You're wrong. Your principles worked. Because I, when I broke down that story of that National Mall, I broke down principles. And if you watch very carefully, there were words in there from the Constitution, from the Bill of Rights, from the Declaration of Independence. The great thing about your founding principles and the principles and the idea of America is they're timeless. They can work at any time. They can work in any situation and they can work against any enemy. What's missing today is people don't believe in them or people have forgotten them or people are too comfortable with their lives to risk everything. They just go, well, you know what? I think I'll, I'll just play it safe. I just play it safe. I, I don't want to rock the boat. I, I can't afford to lose my job. I, I, I can't do it. I have a mortgage to pay. I need my stuff. I need my cars. How many people today would risk everything they have for an opportunity for a brighter tomorrow? For an opportunity and a chance for your kids to live freer? How many people? 5%? 10%? 1%? 0%? You are a wonderful nation. You are a wonderful people. The question right now is not whether America's founding principles can work in 2019. The question is, do you know your founding principles? Do you promote your founding principles? And do you want to follow them? Or do you want to continue on this path, which is a lot easier to follow? Because I guarantee you, you get anyone tweeting about the Constitution, or about the First Amendment, or about any principle, It'll do okay on Twitter. It'll do okay on social media. You actually share stuff about outrages and about how it's the left's fault. And likely, if you're on the left now, it's the right's fault. How, how, do, how do those tweets do? How do those social media posts do? How do those shows do? What we need to do is create a world where being good and being an honorable person gets you somewhere. Look, trust me, you don't need to talk to me about how tempting the bad side is, how tempting it is to not act with honor. I I live this every day. You think it doesn't eat away at me? There's a part of me that always goes, John, if you weren't so principled and so honorable, you'd be living your dream in America right now. I get it. I absolutely get it. There's always going to be that little small part of me that goes, you know what? Why don't you just go illegal? You know, everyone's welcoming you in. And hey, everyone tells me how, you know, how I'd be a great American and how I'm somehow entitled. And I could fool myself to go, well, look, I do all this show. Look at all the stuff I've done for Americans. Look, I've done this show. I'm doing it three and a half years now. Look, I've done all the writing, all the social media. I've never got one cent for any of that. You know what? America owes me. I get that. I get that. I really do. I get this temptation in society. You know, if I screw you and I, te- I stab you in the back, I get a promotion. Or I get an extra bit of money. Or I get a, an extra incentive. I get that. It's very tempting. What you need to understand, decide is, what do you want to be? Do you want to be a man or woman of principles? Of conviction? Of honor? Or do you just want to get ahead at any cost? America's founders were incredible. Because they didn't care about winning. You know, there's this revisionist history from some on the right about how, you know what happened? The, the American Revolution was great, where they just declared all their independence. They, you know, the king upset them. They were unhappy with a few things. They, you, you declared your independence. You wrote, you all signed the Declaration of Independence, how their lives are all fine. How, you know, you went off, you fought a few little battles. You beat the British, you kicked their ass. They went back home. And then everyone had freedom, and it was, woohoo, great times, baby, hey, party, freedom. Didn't work that way. If you actually read your history, you'll find out it was damn tough. There was damn tough because there was defeat in there. There was upset. There was a lot of time and a lot of patience required. Even after you beat the British, you declared your independence in 1776. It took till 1787 to get the Constitution written. 
It then, when you got your constitution written, it took till 1791 to get your Bill of Rights passed. That's a long time. That is a long time. And there was a lot of pain in there. There was a lot of suffering in there. There were times the Constitutional Convention was going to fall apart. Your men, your founders were men and women of honor. Where they saw a bigger and brighter tomorrow. And they were willing to risk everything. Tomorrow can be brighter. Tomorrow can be brighter. It must be brighter. But you are fooling yourself if you think tomorrow can be brighter if you don't make it of principles. The only way to a brighter tomorrow is to be of principles. And heck, you don't have to agree with my, every one of my principles or every one of the fa- principles the founders spoke about. But you have to understand there are certain things that are timeless. That there are certain things bigger than yourself. And that you have to act a certain way. With class, with honor, with dignity. You have to be of a certain mindset. Because if you continue on this path, you are going to be another France. And I all know, I know how much you all love France. You love them, right? You just can't get enough of your French people, right? You're going to go down that path. You are literally going to have, I don't know what you do in 2019, whether it's the guillotine, whether it's hangings, whether it's, it'll be an execution of some kind. Because someone somewhere will be guilty of something and outrages and social media will destroy them. I don't know whether it's just a simple case of you just explode of what you did to these potentially these four kids or these kids from Covington. Maybe you just make it their soul lives are just so dreadful that they just can't get anywhere. That they get refused from college. Maybe that's what we do in 2019. How we execute someone, quote unquote. We don't execute them as to kill their body. We just kill their reputation so no one will ever touch them and ensure they have no life. That is the path you are on. The battle today is not liberals versus conservatives or republicans versus democrats. The law is the law of man or the law of nature. And your founders choose nature. Nature's law, nature's God. Every other nation chooses the law of man where we make man our God. This brings me to the breaking news story uh, in the middle of this week that wasn't about the Covington and the National Mall. And it's one which I'm going to annoy you. And if I haven't annoyed you a lot already today or made you uncomfortable, I'm going to make you even more uncomfortable. And it's the situation in Venezuela and how Donald Trump has treated it. I'm not talking about the politics. I want to talk to you about the principle of the matter. So what I want you to do is, I don't want you to see Donald Trump as president right now. I don't want you to think about Venezuela as a country. I want to talk to you about a principle, and I want to lay out a scenario to you. You have a government of America. If you're a Republican, make it a Republican. If it's a Democrat, make it a Democratic government. And you have a country far away. And that country has an election. And you have suspicions that that country's election wasn't legitimate. And the strong man, the dictator, has taken power. And you don't like this dictator. You don't want to deal with him. You're for freedom. You're for liberty. You're for the Constitution of the United States. Again, don't make this about Venezuela. Make this about a principle. And there's a lot of uprising in that country. There's a lot of tyranny. This strong man is depriving its citizens, is harming its citizens, is holding its citizens down. It's controlling them. And because of this tyranny, this country has no uprisings where people are going, you can't keep doing this to me, man. And I start uprising and there's violence and there's protests. How do you act? How do you act? And then you go one step further, where in this country, the leader of the the president or the, the prime minister or the king, whatever term you want to use in this country, is of one party. And the people who control the government are of another party. 
And the leader of the opposition gets up and says, I am now taking your position. What you did was illegitimate. What you're doing is wrong. I am now the interim president, king, prime minister, and there's nothing you can do. Principally, is that a good situation or is that a good precedent to set of you in supporting someone? Is that a precedent you want to set? Is that something you are comfortable with? What I am asking you is, are you comfortable with regime change? Are you country getting involved in another country's business? Because if you are, what's to stop it being used against you? Because you see, these things can change on a dime. Let me give you two examples of how something similar could happen. And it's one is very close to home and you're not going to like it. How would you feel right now, especially if you're a Republican and if you love Donald Trump, how would you feel right now if this happens or it happened in 2017? You know what? America has an outdated, inadequate system for electing its president. The fact that more people voted for Hillary Clinton than Donald Trump, but yet Donald Trump is still in president. You know what? That's just totally unacceptable. That's undemocratic. That is wrong. You've heard this from some voices in the left. Now, if Nancy Pelosi decided, you know what? You're no longer president, and I'm president. I'm the interim president. Because there's been uprisings in America. You've seen them. How would you feel if the United Nations, if England said, you know what? We now recognize Nancy Pelosi as president. How would you feel? How would you feel if the European Union did it? How would you feel if Israel did it? How would you feel if your allies did it? How would you feel if other countries did it? Would you care what they said? Or would you say, mind your own business, this is this is America. We will nominate our president how we nominate our president. And whether you like it or not, Donald Trump is our president. That's example one. Example two is, you all remember the last elections in Israel? If you don't, go look them up. But Barack Obama and his cronies were getting involved. And this may shock you because of who Barack Obama was, because it definitely shocked me. He didn't like Netanyahu and didn't want Netanyahu as prime minister. Remember, a lot of people were upset about that. What happens if the left or the people you don't like get power and all of a sudden they decide they're going to do regime change? And instead of having a freedom-loving person, Let's say, because I know some people like this guy in Brazil. We don't like him. We're going to put a socialist in power. Are you comfortable with that? This is not about Donald Trump. This is not about Venezuela. This is a principal question. When do you get involved? And if I may ask a more direct question. Can you give me one situation where America does not have to get involved? Can you give me one situation in the world where America can just go, we don't have a position? Now, to those who I've said this to, well, John, what, the people in, you want to just abandon the Venezuelan people? No. I want to promote freedom. I want to be a spark for freedom in Venezuela. I would love to do that. I would love to go speak to them about natural, nature's law and nature's God and spark a freedom movement. But if change must happen in Venezuela, I would love to see it happen. If it has to happen, it must be by its people. And it must be done in a principled and honorable way. Do I understand why Donald Trump would do this? Sure. Am I condemning him? No. I'm asking a principled question for those who are cheerleading this idea. Regime change should be only entered into under certain circumstances. What are they? That is something for you to think about this weekend. finish up today's show on a more happier note and something just to just something to think about this weekend and this will annoy some of you but i hope you'll take it with the the grain of salt it's meant but i also want to honor someone this week and it's very rare i do this but i want you just to think of someone this week and i want to think of a principle and a motivation behind it i want you to think of a, a baseball player 
Baseball season's coming up, and go Yankees. There you go. You can switch off now. But, you know, baseball is a great sport. It's a great game. There's so much involvement in it. And to be a pitcher, I think, is incredible. I think if you, if you grow up wanting to be a pitcher, you need this to say no one ever goes, well, I want to be the seventh-inning guy or the eighth-inning guy. You always want to want it to be the starter. You want to be the starting pitcher. Why? Starting pitchers pitch more. They play regularly. They get more money. They get, they're more known. They're on more baseball cards. You know all the reasons why. I don't want you to think of this guy, and he, all of a sudden he gets drafted drafted to a baseball team and he's hey I'm in the minor leagues and he dreams one day of becoming a major leaguer he dreams one day of growing up and you know playing all around the country maybe playing on Sunday night baseball there's a problem with this pitcher though and this pitcher his repertoire is basically all fastballs now if you know anything about baseball or if you don't I'll explain it to you generally fastballs are pretty straight Fast, yeah, some can go up to 100 miles an hour, but they're pretty straight or maybe a bit of movement on them. You need to keep hitters honest. You know, you need to have a you know a slider, a curveball, a changeup, you know, just something as a secondary pitch. But if you just throw all fastballs, you know, it's, it's hard to get through a lineup two, three times, maybe four times if you're pitching really well. It's hard. You know, Major League Baseball, like any professional sport, is hard. Anyway, this guy gets called up to, the, the, to his professional team. And he gets called up and he gets to his first appearance, gives up five runs in three and a third innings, and his team loses 10-0. Through his first four major league starts, he has an ERA of 10.2. In case you don't know baseball, that is not a good ERA. You want it as low as possible. There's a lot of different things happen. He gets demoted. He comes back, um, gets demoted, uh, comes back again. And basically, he finishes the season... With a 5-3 and three record and a 5.51 ERA. 10 starts and 9 relief outings. Something happens though. Because his team make the postseason that year in 19. And basically what happens is he gets called in to be a pitcher in relief. And he pitches 5 and a third innings of scoreless relief. And that matched out that performance to the team. You know what? We need to keep this guy and we're going to convert him next season to a relief pitcher. Well, in that year, in the next year, he became one of the most dominant relief pitchers that year. And in his next season, he became the closer, which is the last inning, the ninth inning. In case it's not obvious of who I'm talking about, that person I'm talking about is a person called Mariano Rivera. This, I'm not sharing this story to to annoy you about the Yankees, to, you know, promote Yankees to you. I want to share this story because this week he made history. First of all, he became a Hall of Famer. And when you read his career accolades, he spent most of his 17 years playing for the New York Yankees. He's a 13-time All-Star, a five-time World Series champion, the MLB's career leader in saves, in games finishes. He has an incredible record. There's an incredible stat I saw around where more people have landed on the moon than have scored against him in the postseason. It's 12 to 11. That is an incredible statistic. Any way you look at this guy, he's a, he's a Hall of Famer. But he made history because he's the first person to be a no-doubt Hall of Famer. Everyone voted for him. No one, normally there's people vote, leave a few off. Everyone, unanimous, Hall of Famer. Why am I telling you this story? Because attitude is everything. Sometimes in life, we don't get what we want. Sometimes in life, things happen. We sort of draw up a life for ourselves. And sometimes they don't work out. They might have to veer a bit. They might have to change a bit. It's all up to you and your attitude and your headspace, whether you're willing to adapt. Or whether you're so stubborn in your head to go, no, I only have to, there's only this way for me. This road is the only road for me. Mariano Rivera could have been, you know what, I'm a starting pitcher. Just, I want to be a starting pitcher. That's all I want. Because when he started playing in 95, starting pitcher was what it was all about. That's where all the money was. That's where all the fame was. That's where all the baseball cards were. It was only an exceptional few who were relievers who got that type of fame. Very few. He could have said, ah, you know what, I'm going to change. I'm going to change my repertoire. I'm going to work more on my breaking pitches. He didn't. 
He went openly as a reliever and he became the best reliever ever seen. And he all did it on one pitch. The most amazing thing of all the careers I've watched in the years I've been blessed to watch baseball, he's arguably the most amazing. Because you knew what sitting on the standing on the mound, what pitch he's going to throw. He's going to throw the cutter. And see, time after time after time after time, people not ready for it. People strike out. He developed that pitch to the best he could have. He was open-minded enough to go, okay, it sucks. I, w- I wanted to be a starting pitcher. It sucks. But I'm going to move on. I'm going to be a reliever. And I'm going to be the best reliever I can be. And it just turns out he turned out to be the best reliever of all time. We talk about principles a lot on this show. But one of my favorite stories since it was his week this week, and it was his national holiday on Monday, Martin Luther King. There are many things you can learn from him, but one of the the stories, the sayings that inspires me the most is, if you're going to be a street sweeper, you be the best street sweeper you can be. doesn't matter your job. Whatever you do, go be the best. Look, we all have things to do in life that are not the best, they're not the most fun, they're not the most glamorous. We all have parts of our lives that we don't like. But if we have a right attitude, and if we work on it, and if we refine ourselves, we improve ourselves, we can be better. And who knows? I don't know what it is in your life, but maybe being better is possible. Or maybe you can be the greatest of all time. Congratulations, Mariana Rivera, on a magnificent career. But of all of other things, congratulations on being a great guy. Of many reasons I love different players, I always have a fondness, and a, my favorite players are usually people who are kind and humble, who it's not all about them, who it's about other people. He was the epitome of a New York Yankee. He was the epitome of class. And he was the epitome of Making a reliever being cool. Who thought pitching 60 innings a year would be cool when you could pitch 200? I believe Mariano, if not all by himself, at least in part, made that cool. I hope this has given you something to think about and maybe inspire you to be the best you can be. Be open-minded for change. Be open-minded for new opportunities. Until next week, America, have a beautiful and blessed week. And we finish off by saluting your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, and your vets. And most importantly, I salute you, the great American people. Never, ever forget the success for America. The key for America's success is not about politics. It's not about who's in the White House. It's about you. It's about how you act. It's about how you don't act. It's about what you say. And it's whether you want to uplift and inspire people or demean and put them down. I hope you choose the first one. Have a beautiful and blessed week. God bless. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network.